song said, crying in the night, hoping somebody hears me. Is this the one that will set captives free? Jesus, rescue me. Set me free from the chains that are holding me. We all have chains. Is anybody out there listening? Set me free. Set me free. You know, Jesus Christ sets us free. He sets us free no matter what we are facing, no matter what you're dealing with today. Jesus Christ can rescue you. We've been talking to 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a what? New person. Past is forgotten and everything is new. Everything is new. In Christ, by grace, we become new. New life, new beginning, new opportunities, new hope. Everything, everything, everything... Everything, that too, is made new. Made new. You know, we've in this series, we've been looking at the, the power of Jesus Christ to make things new in, in our life. And it's, to me, when I look at the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus' life and his ministry. And Jesus is always pointing people to God. He's always pointing them to a better life. Pointing them to... Uh, the opportunity to overcome sin. There are over three dozen miracles that are recorded that Jesus performed uh, that are recorded in the New Testament. He'd be speaking to a crowd sometimes and then someone would would be there and he'd come alongside them and he would heal them. And he would say, don't tell anybody. You know, he might be walking and he, he would see a need and he would just walk over to that person and he would say, you're healed. Get up, you know, take your mat and walk. Jesus set people free all the time. I love the story. Luke records it in chapter 17. And Jesus is walking and he gets near the outskirts of town and there are 10 lepers out there. And from a distance, they're, they're calling out to him. You know, in that day, leprosy was a terrible disease. Uh, people's flesh would fall off their, their fingers, their limbs. And there was always this horrible stench, and it was highly contagious. And so they were kind of isolated. In fact, in that day, uh, it was a death sentence in Jesus' day if you had leprosy. One of the lepers cries out to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, Master, have, have mercy on us. Heal us. And Jesus says, Go show yourself to the priest. And Scripture says as they were running, they began to see their skin restored and their limbs restored. And they were healed. You know, they were free for the first time in their life to live as a normal member of society. They were free from the stigma. They were free from the isolation. They were given new life. On several occasions, Jesus uh, freed people from the, the grips of death. Remember his best, one of his best friends, Lazarus. He died, and Jesus calls him back to life. You know, Lazarus walks out of the tomb. He was set free. Another occasion, he heals Jairus' young daughter who had just died. And they said Jesus went into her room, and he reached out, and he touches her. And she sat up. Can you imagine what that day was like in that house? It was a new day, and it was new life. 
And all these healings Jesus did with a purpose. It was to point people to God. It was to bring glory to God's name. The fact is it pointed to the fact that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the the promised Messiah, that Jesus was divine. And so he healed people in many different ways. You know, in this series we talked about the woman that got caught in adultery. And the religious leaders, they had drug her to Jesus. They they were going to stone her to death. She thought she was going to die. And according to law, that's what she had coming. But Jesus said something very unexpected. He says, the one without sin cast the first stone. And the accusers walked away. And then Jesus in grace, as they were sitting there alone, he says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Friends, I would argue that's another kind of miracle. You know, she was set free. You know, Jesus saw sin-sick people all the time that were being held captive by sin. You know, last week we looked at Zacchaeus and the week before Matthew. And Jesus called them out. He called them out. He set them free from the sinful life. And he called them to be who they were created to be and called to be. And friends, Jesus longs to heal your life and mine. And he longs to set us free. You know, I have watched throughout my ministry, and uh, I see people that that feel less than, you know, feel less than whole, feel like failures, people that are haunted by their past or shackled by some sin in their life or shame in their life. I've watched people battle demons in in their life, their own personal demons, and in that confusion, in that, that moment where, where they feel so stuck, their peace gets, gets taken. Their self-image gets distorted and destroyed. And I will tell you, it breaks my heart when I see people in bondage to that stuff. And I simply refuse just to watch. You know, people chained and shackled in their life when I know that there's someone named Jesus Christ that can set them free. I mean, Jesus says he will set us free from everything. That means absolutely everything, everything can be made new. And the fact is, we all carry different stuff, don't we? We all have junk, right? You've got junk, I've got junk. And I turn to your neighbor and say, I got junk. Yeah, I got junk. Got lots of junk. And it makes us sick. It holds us down. It keeps us from being who God created us to be and has called us to be. And here's what I know. In a congregation this size, there are people today that are hurting. People that have come and they're broken. And people are in turmoil. And they're searching and they're looking for answers. And people that need hope and peace, and healing, and people need a new start. Some of you need a new beginning today, and some of you just need to be set free, just set free. And today we're going to look at a guy, a guy that had lost all hope. I mean, his life had been stolen from him, and his mind is confused, and he's in bondage to Satan, and he's hearing voices in his head, and he can't get them out. And Scripture says that the evil one's spirit occupied this guy. 
This guy is possessed by demons. And friends, don't dismiss. People go, oh yeah, demons. Demons are real. Jesus talked a lot about evil in this world. He acknowledged that the existence of the devil and of demons, and he talked a lot about the power of the evil one. And friends, I will tell you, when I look at society, Satan's alive and well in this world. And he is fighting for control of your mind and my mind and our souls. And most of all, your eternal destiny. It is a spiritual battle. And it is a war, and it is a war that the evil one desperately, desperately wants to win. And so what I want to do is see what we can learn from our story today. It starts out, Mark records this. He says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. He's living out in the graveyard. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So I want you to picture this guy has isolated himself. He's totally withdrawn himself. He's living in a graveyard. Think about that. He's living in in the tombs. He's chosen to stay away from people, and people have chosen to stay away from him. And I believe that isolation is part of the strategy of the evil one. If he can isolate you, he can take you out. If he can isolate you and get you alone, he can lie to you, and he can easily destroy your self-image. You're worthless. You're a failure. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're crazy. Nobody, nobody wants to be around you. I mean, he's continually whispering, distance yourself from people. Avoid your friends. Avoid your family. And by all means, stay away from church and don't talk to God. Don't talk to God. See, Satan wants to convince us that nobody cares and that no one understands what we're going through. Jesus said this. He says the thief, he's talking about the devil there, the evil one. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isolation, friends, isolation is part of Satan's strategy in life. Why? Because he can steal at that point. He can kill and he can destroy you if he can get you alone. This guy is living among dead people. He's living in the tombs. His life's been reduced to mere existence. I think he's probably depressed. We know he's alone. He's alone with his pain. He's alone with his struggles. You know, I don't know why... But oftentimes, when people are going through tough times, you know what they do? Drop out of church. Isolate themselves. That's why I always say, get in a small group. Serve on a a team. 
so that you're connected to people so that when life turns, there are people that step into your life at that point. In fact, you need other Christians, especially, especially when things get tough. But the evil one wants to get you isolated. And he wants to get you to withdraw. And then what he wants to do is he wants to pile up the anguish. That's what we see in our scripture. It says night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. Night and day. Night and day, he's crying out. He, he's lost control of his emotions. His mind's confused. And friends, when you get really confused about what's happening in life, sometimes the only thing you can do is cry out. But he's crying out. He's, he's isolated. And when he isolates, what happens is everything gets exponentially worse. Because you don't have anybody by your side. Again, part of Satan's plan. It's part of his design. It's to attack the mind. And if he can get you alone, that's an easier place to attack. Get you to believe nobody cares. Nobody cares what I'm going through. Nobody, nobody wants to be around me. I mean, nobody knows what I'm going through. And pretty soon he, he convinces you that you just got to go it alone. No, nobody understands what you're going through. They couldn't begin to understand what you're going through. And so it's pure and utter isolation. You ever been there? I mean, you're stuck. You're stuck. You know, you're grieving. You know, the loss of a loved one, and you just can't get past it. In fact, all you can do is cry about it. You know, it's in, in the bitterness of, of the divorce. It, it consumes your thoughts day and night. The anger is overwhelming. You know, that abuse that you received as a child, it dominates your every thought. You know, that job loss, that bankruptcy, it's consuming. Been there? I mean, for some of you, maybe it's the nightmare of some out-of-control addiction. You know, you find you're constantly thinking about when, when you're going to get the next drink. You know, when you're going to get the next fix. For some of you, it's constantly scheming and trying to figure out how you're going to slip in the, the strip club without anybody noticing you. And friends, it's consuming. It's consuming. And if you've been there, you know it's a wasteland, right? It's a terrible, it's a terrible place to dwell. You know, it consumes your thinking. It consumes your time. But it's what happens when you're living in a graveyard, when you're living with dead things where everything is dead around you. And here's a question. Where are you living today? Because Satan wants to destroy your life. And he will use isolation, and he will use mental anguish, and he will do whatever it takes to get you involved in the process of self-destruction. In fact, that's his game today. Steal, kill, destroy. This guy, this guy is, is struggling. I mean, he's cutting himself with jagged rocks. I mean, why would, why would a person harm themselves? Why would a person cut themselves? You know, sometimes it's hard to understand, but let me ask you this. Why would a person put a needle in their arm? Why would somebody drink themselves into a stupor? 
You know, why would somebody put a gun in their mouth? Well, friends, the answer is calculated destruction. The evil one is bent. He's bent. That's what he's looking to do in your life is to get you in a downward spiral, get you withdraw, get you to isolate, get you to just be mentally in anguish all the time where it's all you can think about. And it is a real, real strategy. And it is powerful. You know how powerful? Well, Mark told us earlier, for this guy, the chains couldn't hold him. He just tore him apart. The one, no one was strong enough to subdue him. And here's, here's the deal. Some of you are in turmoil today. And some of you believe that no one is able to deal with what you're going through. And I know some of you are hurting and in pain and struggling. And I also know this that there's someone whose arms are open wide. There's someone who longs to embrace you and wipe the tears away, and it's Jesus Christ. He can change your life. I mean, when you get one-on-one with Jesus Christ in the midst of your problems, you find life. You find all things can be made new. I mean, one-on-one. You know, this guy living in a graveyard, he's one-on-one with Jesus The only contact he had had recently was when a group of people come in and they attempt to put him in chains. But Jesus was different. Jesus wanted to set him free. Jesus wasn't like anybody else. Friends, Jesus doesn't think you're weird. He doesn't think you're crazy. He doesn't think you're stupid. He doesn't think you're you're a failure. He doesn't think you're hopeless. He doesn't think that you're so into sin that you can't be saved. Jesus wants you to live. But he doesn't want you to live among the tombs anymore. He wants to pull you out of isolation. He wants to pull you into the presence of God. Scripture says when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice. And this seems like a strange thing. He says, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. See, the spirit's speaking through this guy. Jesus sees a man that's confused. Jesus sees a a guy that needs hope sees a guy that needs pulled into the presence of God because, friends, in the presence of God is where you find healing. It's where the confusion ends. Some of you are confused today. It's in God's presence that that ends. I heard this years back, uh, Hanley Page, he was a pioneer in aviation. He said he was flying his plane and he was cruising several thousand feet up in the air And he heard this sickening kind of gnawing happening in the back in the cargo area. And then he realized that a rat had gotten on board the plane while they were on the ground. And so he's trying to figure out what what to do. And he's hearing this gnawing and he's thinking, oh no, the the hydraulics are back there, all the controls are back there, a wrong bite, and he's going to die. 
Now, they didn't have autopilot back then, so he couldn't just leave the controls and go back and deal with it. And so he started thinking about, how am I going to deal with this uninvited guest? And then he remembered a little piece of trivia, that rats require more oxygen than, than humans. And so he's like, okay, there's less oxygen at a higher altitude, so he just started climbing the plane. And he got several thousand feet up further. And the gnawing stopped. And he said when he landed on the ground, he discovered a dead rat. Well, some of you today, there's a gnawing going on. You can hear it. You know it. And friends, I'm telling you, Satan wants you to spiral out. He wants you to crash and burn. And you need to get into the presence of Jesus Christ, and you need to climb and keep climbing, and whatever it takes, you just keep climbing, because that's when the gnawing will stop. That's when the, the evil one's plan, so to speak, drops dead. You know, you climb higher. Why? Because that's where healing is. You climb higher because that's where the power is for your life. You climb higher because the higher you climb, the less confused you become. And when you climb high enough, you just cry out to God. And Jesus is waiting to respond to that. He's waiting. You know, the psalmist says, the cords of death entangle me. The agony, the anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord saved me. Friends, you've got you to get into the presence of God. Jesus Christ wants to cut through the chaos. Jesus Christ wants to help you with whatever that struggle is, whatever that thing is that, that's got its grips on you. You know, Jesus wants to help us identify the, the source of the problem, help us overcome whatever the situation is. He wants to make all things, all things, all things, that thing that you're thinking about, wants to make it new. This guy living in a graveyard doesn't, doesn't even know who he is anymore. He's struggling. It says Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name's Legion, he replied. For we are many. This guy's forgot who he is. He's lost his identity. He has become his tormentor. Jesus says, what's your name? See, he wants to bring him back to reality of who he is. Jesus wants to bring us back to who we are. You know, for some of you, Jesus wants to say, your name's not inferior. Your name's not depressed. Your name's not paranoid. You're not hopeless. You know, you're not addicted. You're not a pervert. You're not a thief. You're not that I'm never going to amount to anything. He wants to mess you up, Satan does. He wants to distort your identity. He wants to destroy your self-worth. He wants you to believe that you are those lies that you say to yourself all the time. And Jesus Christ says, no, you're not. No, you're not. He wants to cut through the lies. He wants to point out your worth in life. Friends, you are a child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have great worth. 
in Jesus Christ, your past is forgotten. You're made new. And it's a daily thing. You know, I was talking to a guy a while back, and um, he really just second-guessing himself and beating himself up and just struggling with his worth. And we had a rather lengthy conversation. And finally, I just said to him, I said, look at me, look at me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has a plan for your life, and God will use this junk that's going on in your life. You are a person of great worth. And friends, I will tell you, in that moment, it just assaulted him, that reality. And he finally looked at me and he just go, I never thought about myself that way. And I said, that's how God sees you. That's how God sees you. And friends, when you realize how much you matter to God, it changes everything in your life. Everything. Everything. I love uh, Zephaniah, the, just kind of a hidden passage, but it says, the Lord your God's with you. His power gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you, and in his love, he will give you new life. He delights in you. Did you ever think about that? God delights in you. He looks forward to you getting up every morning. He wants the best for you. He loves you. And he wants to give you new life. Satan wants to destroy that. With what? Lies. Friends, it is a war. We're in a spiritual war. He comes to steal and to kill and ultimately destroy. That's what he's about. You know, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, the weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds. We destroy false arguments, lies, the lies. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. In other words, we're going to believe what God says, not what everybody else says. We're going to believe that. He says we're going to make it obey Christ. Friends, we need to take every thought captive. Every thought. Every thought. Everything you think, you ought to, before you let that lie enter your mind, you ought to be going, you know what, I'm going to frisk this at the door and see if it lines up with what God has to say. Don't allow lies in here. Don't believe the lies. Don't let Satan tell you who you're not. Don't let anyone tell you who you're not. You are who God says you are. And you are precious in his sight. And you are created by God and called by God to new life. All things, all things are made new. Whatever that thing is that you're ashamed of or that thing that, that's tearing you apart, you need to know, God says, I'll make it new. I'll make it new. You know, to kind of further illustrate the, the point, Jesus, uh, he has a conversation with these demons. Now, you're going to have to read the rest of the story this week. It'd be a good read for devotions. But basically, the demons know they're defeated. And so the demons start begging Jesus to, to send them into the pigs. 
you know, Jesus gave them permission. They enter the pigs. The pigs go crazy, and they end up running off a cliff and drowning. Pretty uh, thrilling. Make a great movie, probably. Now, I don't know why Jesus agreed to let these demons go into the pigs. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure. Perhaps it was to show the power of demons to the crowd that day. Maybe it was to de- demonstrate to this guy that his tormentors were gone. Maybe it was to show that he values human life over everything else. I don't know. Perhaps Jesus was kind of thinking, well, pigs are pigs. I created pigs. I love pigs, but I love people more. You know, in comparison to how much I love people, well, the pigs can drown for all I care. Now, do not send me emails. You know, don't hashtag me. Save the pigs, you know, and all that. I I love animals, okay? But in comparison to human life, friends, we are created in the image of God. We have souls. God designed you and made you. And you are the most prized possession above anything else in this world. Period. Can you imagine when the people came out and they saw, they saw Jesus sitting with this guy and they're having a conversation? I mean, this man who was out of his mind living in a graveyard, this man that had been isolated, this man that was confused, this man that had been chained up and was considered mad, they see Jesus sitting there and this guy's in his right mind. And it was all made new. Friends, That had to blow them away. Made new, set free in Jesus Christ. You know, so many times I I think we read the story, especially the miracles, and we think, uh, well, it was a really bad situation. The guy's living in a graveyard. He's mad. He's lost everything. But Jesus healed him, and everything's perfect now. I think that's how we read it, don't we? I mean, he was made new that day. He was given new hope. He was given a new opportunity. Jesus had healed him. New had begun. But there was a process. I mean, this guy is going to have to work hard now. He, He probably didn't have a home to go back to. It had been so long. He likely had a very hard time getting back on the workforce. Can you imagine the interview? Well, I see you don't have a work history over the last... What have you been doing the last 10 years? Living in a graveyard or something? Yeah. It wouldn't have been easy. He'd been alienated from his family and friends. And I think it would have taken some time for them to trust him again, probably for those relationships to be restored, and some of them maybe never were restored. My my point is, 
he had a long road ahead. But it was a new day. And it was a new hope. And it was a new opportunity. Jesus saw that guy and he was alone and he was hurting and he reached out and he set him free that day. Reminded him who he was, reminded him who he belonged to. And he set him free. And here's the deal. Jesus wants to restore you. He specializes in taking broken people and making them whole. And he specializes in setting you free from whatever that thing is that you think you can't break free from. That thing that's breaking your heart today. Jesus Christ can make all things, all things, all things, that thing, new. Now, as we are preparing ourselves this morning for communion, I just want to have prayer. If you've got something that you feel like, I need to break free, I need healing, I need hope, just stand where you're at. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for you this morning if you got something. You know. Our holy God, God, you see those that stand here today. And God, I pray your spirit would just forcefully, very forcefully, just say in their ear, you are free. It will be made new. I mean, it may not happen right this moment, but the new has begun. That they'd find hope, that they'd see the new opportunity, the they would see new life. Did you just breathe it right now? And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would also put a hedge of protection, a stronghold around these individuals, that the lies that they get whispered, that Satan wants us to buy into, that the world would have us believe that we just we would stop it dead at the door. Say, no, that's not true. God, I thank you that you care enough that you know every miniature detail of what's going on. And God, that you will use it. And you will give us strength to see it through. God, I pray we'd leave this place knowing there's a new hope. A new life in you. God, we give you the praise and we give you the glory this day and every day. God's people said. You may be seated. We're going to prepare for communion. Um, our uh, teams are going to come forward again. Everybody's welcome at, at God's table, and uh, we're going to celebrate celebrate this morning. Uh, we take by intention, which means you can leave the wafer whole or break it, and then dip it into the chalice. And uh, again, everybody's welcome at God's table. Let, let's pray. Our holy God, God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your table. We thank you for your son that makes it all possible. It's because of his broken body, his blood that was shed. That we're set free from sin. That eternal life's possible. So God, today we celebrate that and we thank you that you loved us that much. God, I pray as we partake that uh, we'd be mindful of who we are, 
we'd be mindful of our weaknesses and our brokenness. And as we partake, that you forgive us and you make us now. God, we give you the praise, we give you the glory. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said, let's worship together in communion.